G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's get a handle on the issue of Christian persecution around the world. A missionary couple, Nick and Ruth Ripken, the authors of a book and the producers of a documentary called The Insanity of God, are coming to Australia. They are arriving in Australia on around about the 12th of November. Their visit is called the Insanity of God Tour. Now, Nick and Ruth have travelled to Somalia back in the 1990s to live as missionaries, and really at that time in the middle of a war zone. Nick Ripken is one of the world's leading experts on the persecuted church in Islamic context, and as former Baptist pastor, he and Ruth were a part of a church in Kentucky. Well, Nick and Ruth have interviewed over 600 Christians enduring persecution for their faith in Jesus and worked in over 25 years as missionaries. They're joining us to have a preview on what they'll be talking to Australian audiences about. Uh, to Nick and to Ruth Ripken, welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much. We're so glad uh, that you're taking time to talk with us. Uh, Nick, let me come to you first, because you have really extended yourselves and you've visited persecuted Christians in over 60 countries around the world. Uh, what is the intention of your visits to those countries and what are the, what's the overall uh, focus and aim of what you're doing? Jesus commanded us to go to all the world, not just to the safe world, not just the world where you could do church like in the West. And so in... Uh, back in the 90s, we moved our family to Kenya and started working in Somalia during the famine and civil war. And during that time, we're feeding 50,000 people a day. We're burying maybe 20 children a day, and it's just uh, as horrific as you can imagine. At the same time, in that country of 20 million, only, only 150 Muslims had come to faith in Jesus. And in the eight years we were there... Um, a more conservative Islam arose, and they hunted the believers down until when we left eight years later, only four were left alive. They killed four of my best friends on one day, and we left there pretty devastated. In, uh, on Easter Sunday morning of that year, our, our 16-year-old son died of an asthma attack. My wife's mother died of cancer, and it just seemed to be no let-up, but we went to believers in persecution desiring to find, uh, is Jesus trustworthy? Is Jesus for the tough places? He, he commands us to go sheep among wolves. Can he give us the tools to uh, go there, stay there, uh, and, and be uh, faithful and obedient there? And we sat at the feet of over 600 believers in 72 countries, begging them to tell us how to make Jesus known and how to plant the multiplying house churches uh, in persecution, and uh, to experience the body of Christ in persecution where they were not only surviving, they were thriving, was just the antidote we needed for Somalia, and they taught us what we should have known before we went to that country. 
Ruth, let me ask you, having been to and served in one of the hardest mission fields on earth and hearing those stories of having lost your closest friends for in a single day and having spoken to people in persecuted contexts all over the world, Ruth, uh, that personal contact, is there something that believers around the world share in common in their hope in Christ? Yeah, I think that's the exciting thing is as we sat with these believers, uh, we would always say, we want to come and be a learner. Uh, Would you teach us how do you make Christ known when it can cost you so much? Um, Why would you follow Jesus if it costs everything to you? They've taught us um, probably the thing that I, I, I feel is strongest for me is that they've taught us that there is no such thing as a church in freedom and a church in persecution, that there's just the church. And as the body of Christ, we are at all times free to share Christ, and we're at all times free um, to make it count, that it will cost. And um, the joy of being brothers and sisters across the globe with people that I may never meet in my life is exciting, because um, that's what Paul talks about in the New Testament that we are the body, and some of us are fingers, and some are toes, and some are uh, heads and hearts and hands, and as we are connected with each other, uh, when one part suffers, we all should suffer, and when one part is victorious, we all can be victorious. Nick, reflect for me for a moment on the idea of the fact that as Christians, we can know things about God and about the Bible. Uh, we can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be a follower of him. Uh, But when you get into where the heat is really on, in these really, really tough zones, war zones, where Christians are persecuted and killed for their faith, uh, what is this dimension about knowing Jesus so intimately that you'll die for him? Can you reflect on this intimate knowing of Christ? When we talk to believers in in persecution, and we ask them to tell us their story. And uh, when, when we get to the point where they talk about their relationship with Jesus, and we watch their body language, and we watch their eye contact, uh, the, the, you know, their, the, the, we watch their eyes, and, and we listen to the tones of their voices, uh, the way they talk about Jesus is the most intimate conversation that we, we have with them. Now, one of the things your listeners must understand Many of these people already live in bad government. They're already being persecuted. Uh, If you live under the Herods and his military of this modern world, uh, you cannot protect your children. You cannot guarantee your kids can go to school. You cannot protect your wives and your daughters from uh, the military and the the government uh, uh, security police. And so they're already suffering. It's not that once they come to Jesus, suffering is introduced. What happens when they come to Jesus, their suffering is transformed. And it's given a purpose, and it's given a joy, because finally they know that this world is not all that there is, that when the resurrection is true, that changes everything. And so what Jesus does for them is to transform a a secular, uh, just-in-this-world suffering into an eternal life with Jesus. Without that, their suffering has no meaning. With Jesus, 
eternity is a place uh, uh, for us to worship together, to be with Christ, and to put our, pers- our persecution in perspective. Ruth, your tour is called The Insanity of God. Uh, for some people, that might be a little bit confronting. What does your tour title and uh, the name of your book and the DVD series you've released, what does The Insanity of God mean and how does that relate to the way that you and Nick minister together? Yeah, uh, when we began to think about um, what we wanted to share with both the people in your country and and those we um, who read the book, we wanted to grasp the reality that for most people around the world, for all people around the world, um, the thought that a loving God would send His only Son to die on a cross, and for those of us, as we think about that, that is definitely an insane thing. Why would anybody who is God, who can do everything in the world, why would he even think um, think that? And uh, when you share that fact that God sent his only son into the world with those who do not know him, um, their first initial response is, that's crazy. That's something that nobody should want to do. And we realize that... Um, we definitely, uh, as humans, think about this. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, it's impossible to understand and to grasp. And what we want the listeners that are uh, listening to you and those who will come and hear us to grasp for themselves is this may be so insane what God did, but he did it because he loved us. Nick and Ruth Ripkin, our guests, they're going to be touring major East Coast locations to give a series of lectures entitled The Insanity of God, focusing on how Christianity functions and even flourishes in some of the worst persecuted communities and nations around the world. Nick and Ruth Ripkin, our guests, will continue our conversation in just a short while. We're taking a little time to unpack what it is that is different about Christian believers who live under intense pressure of persecution. Nick Ripkin and Ruth, his wife, are our guests. Nick is renowned as one of the world's leading experts on the persecuted church in Islamic context and former Baptist pastor in a church in Kentucky in the U.S., Well, Nick and Ruth are coming to Australia. They're going to be leading what is called the Insanity of God Tour. And we're talking about Christian believers when they're under intense persecution. Nick, if I ask you about differences uh, of Christian believers when there isn't any or much persecution, any or much pressure on the way that people can function in faith in Christ... And for those who are under persecuted uh, context, when things are really tough and your life is at risk, what are the different ways that those Christians look and how they think and how they feel about life and about their faith? Well, we wanted to find out, brother, why in persecution do some believers get knocked down and some churches uh, are told to shut up and the believers don't get up and the church just uh, just shuts up, just keeps their faith to themselves. And why at the same time, when others are told to shut up, they proclaim Christ more, and when believers are knocked down, they get up and walk toward Jesus. 
what, what, what is the difference in, in, in the two? And we found that in those who are living the resurrection in persecution, the ways that they talk about Jesus, the way that they know him, we found in many cases, they don't, well, in all cases, they don't let you take your Bible into prison. They don't let you take your guitar and your, your music with you when they put you under house arrest or, you, or they chain you in some kind of asylum. And so believers know whether they're literate or oral communicators, they must hide the word of God in their heart. They must hide the songs of God, of the kingdom of God in their heart. And so what we have found, well, that's why the Holy Spirit, from Genesis through Acts, uh, most of the Bibles in story form, and 30% of the Old Testament was sung before it was written down. And so these believers have, have sort of done a data dump. They, they've downloaded uh, uh, in their families, in, in their house churches, the Word of God uh, to such an extent that when they're in the streets, when they're in the prisons, when they're being persecuted, when it's time for them to, to tell their faith in hard situations, uh, they can recreate about 70% of the Bible. Now, oftentimes, this is what they do when two or three of them are arrested, incarcerated, uh, persecuted together. But what they do is study the literate Word of God. They learn the stories. And then when they're in prison, when they are chained, uh, when you beat them, the stories come out. When you slap them, the stories come out. And so they know Jesus intimately, personally, but they also know his word, and they know his songs. And they say it back to him, and they sing it back to him. I think you're saying that the priority of the place of Scripture replaces everything else that might have been a priority. And uh, what happens uh, in the life of a persecuted believer is that the most important things to them become the Scriptures because that's the place in which their hope is found. And I think uh, I would add something to that. It's the Scriptures within the body of Christ, as Ruth was talking about. And so uh, it's so much so, brother... Uh, when they pray about when they go to prison, not if they go to prison, they pray that someone else will go to prison with them. And I've, I've been to deacon meetings in this former Soviet Union in China where the meeting was about who they wanted to go to prison with. And one guy got really mad because no one wanted to go to jail with him. Well, maybe, maybe there was something in his life needed to change. But when they go together as part of the body of Christ and together can encourage each other, and, and hold each other accountable, then this, the Word of God is uh, more likely to be vibrant. Songs are not only more likely to be sung, they're more likely to even write many more songs when they're in prison. So uh, just knowing Jesus, going in persecution if possible together, knowing his Word and singing his Word back to him, you're right. There's no substitute for that except uh, the, the, the way that we pray and talk to Jesus. Ruth, reflect on the idea of the typical fear that ordinary Christian believers might have in a non-persecuted context about being incarcerated, uh, being thrown into prison, or even uh, being insulted or to the extreme of losing our lives. Uh, the idea of freedom and fear. Reflect on on this idea that uh, that we are fearful of losing our perceived freedom and what people who are thrown into prison people who are on death row the sorts of feelings that they might have 
one of the things we discovered as we talked to believers, especially in um, China and former Soviet Union, unit, Union we knew that um, uh, when persecution came, the fear of persecution was more intense than the actual persecution. And once believers went through um, that first experience of persecution, um, they they realized that their fear was more than the persecution. And they became much more victorious because they were no longer afraid of what was about to happen. Fear is probably the number one tool of Satan. And we know that in places where we can go to worship every Sunday, we are free to go to our jobs and we can talk about whatever we want to. We know that often we don't do it out of fear. And two um, two believers in North Africa told us, you know, in the scriptures there are 366 verses that tell us, uh, that talk about fear, that tell us not to be afraid. Um and they said, you know, God gave us a verse for every day of the year and an extra verse when we have a really bad day. And then we know that freedom um, is something that has been uh, given to us by God. Often we say, often as we interviewed, we heard people say, you know, when freedom comes to my country, we'll start sharing uh, Jesus with others. And we would always go back to those verses um, in in the Old Testament where Moses declared what the words of God were from the mountaintop and wrote down those Ten Commandments. And one of those commandments was, uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And as Nick and I uh, struggled, especially during those years in Somalia, we heard someone share about what that meant for the children of Israel when Moses declared that they could take a Sabbath And what he was saying to those children was, you know, only a free person can choose to take a Sabbath, and you as a people are free. And, you know, we can go anywhere in the world because God is commanding us to do this, and we are free to share Jesus. Um, The struggle comes, are we willing to bear the consequences for for witnessing, for sharing uh, in that freedom? And so I think those are some topics we're going to talk about, we're going to struggle with. Um, fear and freedom come at us uh, sideways. Satan knows the right place to attack us, and, um, and we, want to, we want to bear up under these uh, pressures, even when we are free in places where we are given that freedom uh, by a government. Nick, let me ask you about the sorts of heroes that people choose to follow when they are in a very difficult context of being persecuted for their faith in Christ. I imagine they're different to the sorts of heroes that we might choose in a free and non-persecuted society. The idea that people might model how to live is actually added with an extra dimension when people can actually model how to die. Wow, what a wonderful uh, question. And you made me feel a little bit sorrow. I'm sitting uh, in Texas right now with my wife where we've been teaching, and I think what people get excited about and who their heroes are 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 people who play the American football, and and we're having the World Series of Baseball right now, and 
soon we'll be playing basketball, and our our country is consumed uh, with the election at this time. And as we interviewed and sat with believers in persecution, uh, I will promise you their heroes were those who had endured persecution, kept their faith intact, and proclaimed Jesus no matter what it cost. And more than anything else, a young man, a young girl's heroes were her mother and his father who modeled for them how to live and how to die in Jesus. And one pastor told his children, kids, tomorrow I will be uh, thrown in prison. And while I'm there, I know something. They're systematically hanging families to death who will uh, refuse to deny their faith in Christ. If while I'm in prison, I hear that my family has been faithful so that they had been hung to death, I will be the most proud man in prison. I don't know what to do with that story then. I don't know what to do with it now. But the heroes are the, the people of the faith, the evangelists, the church planters, the pastors. But more than that, it's the fathers and the mothers of the of the young people who watch their parents endure persecution, keep their heads up high, and who love their enemies no matter what the enemies do. Nick Ripkin and his wife, Ruth, among the world's leading experts on the persecuted church in Islamic context. They're coming to Australia. They'll be arriving on the 12th of November. Open Doors is sponsoring the Insanity of God Tour. It's one to look out for, and here's how you can find out where Nick and Ruth will be speaking. Simply go to the Open Doors website. That's opendoors.org.au, and there's a forward slash IOG, which stands for Insanity of God. So opendoors.org.au forward slash IOG to be able to catch up with Nick and Ruth Ripkin, who will be able to share the depth of their understanding, having been there and done that and spoken to people who have been in contexts around the world who've been dreadfully persecuted for their faith, and yet their faith functions and even flourishes in those contexts. Nick and Ruth, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us and share your hearts with us today here on 2020. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. We look forward to being with everyone. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.